Konnichiwa. Welcome to the Jandals in Japan podcast. Kia ora, Catherine. Welcome to October. It's great to be here. here <laughs> My favourite month of the year. Woo-hoo. We turned the clock forward so fast, but it's amazing, right? I love this season. Yay, it's autumn in Japan. It's autumn, which means it's Koromogai season. <gasps> right, yeah. I haven't done that yet. What's no, Koromogai? I know what it is, but what is it? What is it? So <laughs> it is a time of the year when you swap your clothes over from summer to winter or sort of warmer clothes and generally has a set date in japan where this needs to happen and if you're working in a company or going to a school there'll be a date when you will need to change over from your summer uniform into your winter uniform and if your company is doing cool biz which is when they turn all the aircon up really high so that you feel horrible and hot uh, to save energy. You don't have to wear your normal suit jacket and tie. You can wear something a little bit cooler, a summer Mm -hmm. suit or a no tie or short sleeves. But from Koromogai day with the day of changing your clothes over, you have to revert back to winter attire, whether it's hot outside or not. The toilet seats start getting warmed up oh, around yes. now too, don't they? Yes, they turn the toilet oh. heaters back on a bit warmer if it's they've still been a off. Too early for that, <laughs> <laughs> it's caring for people, isn't it? It's all about caring for people. Mm-hmm, um, you know, mm-hmm. They might be starting to feel chilly, so we should put you those want you to have to toilet seats on again. <laughs> brace yourself before you sit down. Uh, <laughs> I remember taking. I have to say, I remember taking my kids back to New Zealand, and it was winter. And they were crying because they're like, Mommy, I can't sit on the cold toilet seat. And I was like, my poor spoiled children. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, dear. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So you haven't changed your clothes over yet. I haven't changed mine over yet. No, I haven't done it yet. I've also saw on the TV that it's not a good idea to do it when it's still very hot and there's a lot of humidity in the air because then when you put your clothes away, you will also increase the chances of them getting moldy once they're put away. So it's better to wait till they're just very thoroughly dried out before you actually do that. So this is, is I have an excuse to delay my. Yes. You're waiting (laughs) for the humidity to decrease. And so this is a kind of uh, very high level housewifing you can learn if you watch daytime TV, which I happened to just turn it on the other day. And that was what was on. Uh, But I also actually attended a etiquette course recently mm. um, which was run by one of my uh, longtime friends here in japan and she's an etiquette teacher she knows everything about everything about doing wow. the right way and we were talking about the seasons and she was saying that koromogai is not only just changing your clothes but also recommitting to what you're doing or sort of giving yourself a bit of a jazz up for the rest of the year kind of thing kiai or ireru in japanese so never yeah. thought of it that way that's very interesting and goodness i hadn't thought at all about that the aspect of it rather than the practical aspect of it's getting cold so i should put my warm clothes into the closet 
I didn't think about that as a, a feeling inside and a way of a mindset change as yeah. well, the change of season. Yeah, it's kind of like um, what's popular now, September is the other January, you know, how we have this sort of thing that goes around on social media, like September is the new January or the other January or sort of like a, a fresh start, you know, for the rest right. of the year. I thought um, that was just to help people get more consulting and start new programs. Well, is that Have that people as pay well. them for it. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Mm. That makes sense. I love mm. it. Yeah. Mm. Changing of your energy. That's really, really awesome. Yeah. Mm. I get that. What yeah. kind of things did she teach you? There's so much to learn for Japanese etiquette. And a lot of inquiries that we get on channels in Japan is what do I do with this or that? Or it's generally about etiquette. Um, yes. How how do I you know not offend people when I hand over my business card or what mm. should I dress like? So uh, you could spend years and years learning this. You'll never learn all of it. What I did learn at the uh, seminar was that the Japanese people also do not know. So it's okay. They are not perfect at this either. And just even just giving it a little bit of a go is very appreciated though, right? Wow. So, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? When you think Japanese people know everything about etiquette, but actually not. Yeah. No, Were there they any don't. examples that she gave? The crowd at this etiquette seminar was from a variety of ages, from sort of mid-30s right up to your 80s, late 80s. There were a lot of elderly people there as well, madly writing notes. So I was very surprised that, you know, some people were refreshing their memories or whatever they were doing. I don't know. But what it all came down to, she says, or what etiquette is, is you thinking about the other person, right? And that sounds pretty simple, mm. but actually... In our daily lives, how often do we think about other people as we go about our day? Well, it's a golden rule, isn't it? Mm. It sounds like that. Yeah. And so one very simple thing that she did mention was when you are, for example, in a bank or in a shop and you've been given a piece of paper to fill out, or maybe mm. you're checking into a hotel, for example, you have to fill out a piece of paper. And then when you give it back to the person, just rotating the paper so that when you hand it back, they are looking at it the right way up. Oh, right. It's a super simple piece of etiquette, right? But how often do we forget to do that, especially these Very days? Very good point. Mm. Even if you just gave that a try next time and see, wow, what a difference it makes to your interaction by mm. thinking about the other person as you hand the paper back to them. You also mm -hmm. see that, you know, when they give you get your credit card back in a shop, they generally turn it around so it's facing you when it's handed over. So how That's about true. turning it to face them when, when you yeah, hand it yes. over, you know, like just taking that teeny tiny moment yeah, to do moment. something. Hmm. Now I'm going to be nervous. Now what should I do here? I've got <laughs> 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 in that situation, I'll be remembering what you've just said and think, hang on, am I doing this the right way? But actually, if you do it enough, it probably becomes, yeah, uh, it becomes second natural. nature. Right. Yeah. Mm, How yeah. Excellent. So, so we're not going to dive into all of the etiquette in Japan here because we'll net this episode will go on for several years if we try to. But I think it's this attitude of a looking around, opening your eyes, seeing what people are doing, and also thinking of the other person. It can go a very long way, and you'll start to learn some of the etiquette in Japan right. just by opening your own eyes. And it sounds like thing. yeah to me, Jane. She's a great person. You can ask anything you want to that. To her she's an expert in her field she right? is, yes. and she's the one to ask about etiquette we need people like that in our lives mm. well i hope we can bring her on the show soon and or maybe a part of the show and get her to introduce some things to us so we can all improve our etiquette and i think you know this etiquette be received well in the rest of the world so who do we have on the show today catherine 
Well, speaking of experts, Jane, as you just mm. were, we've got Chisa Oguda from Meros Consulting on the show. My goodness, is she not an expert? I don't know if I've met an, a greater expert in Japan. She is That's fantastic. She knows about the market and sales channels and everything here about food and beverage. Uh, and I really am so pleased to introduce her. And I thank NZTE Craig Pettigrew for the initial introduction to Chisa. She's been fabulous along the way, all kinds of tips. And it's just a great time to have her on the show today. Yes. So let's hear from Chisa. Kia ora, Chisa. Welcome to Jandals in Japan. It's great to have you on the show today. Thank you, Jane. And uh, thank you for your warm regards. Good morning, Chisa. Nice to see you. Great. So we have a warm-up question for you, Chisa. A or B? Okay, so it's getting kind of cooler now and we're starting to want to have more warming foods. Are you oden or nabe? Mm, I would say nabe. Oh, why nabe? What's your favorite nabe also? Yeah. My most favorite nabe is the pork belly, using pork mm-hmm. belly and pork belly. Uh, and the haksai, mm-hmm. the, the Chinese cabbage. Yes. And uh, just that it. And uh, it has a really the dense text- texture because of the nice fatty. Yeah, and it makes yeah, and it makes me very warm and this, <laughs> and very easy. <laughs> is it just a plain soup then? What's the soup? It's plain soup with just salt and a little dashi, and okay. uh, mm-hmm, that's oh, very it. Very simple. Mm. Very simple and easy to cook. How about you, Catherine? Oden or nabe? Oh, hot nabe. pot for those who don't know the word nabe. nabe. Yeah. Hot pot all the way for me. And I'm mm. not a pro on knowing the varieties, but I do know that I really like ones with lots of mushrooms in them. And I don't know if that's a mushroom oh. nabe or is it just haksai? Haksai, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Chinese mm-hmm. cabbage and mushrooms for some reasons mm. coming up for me. But oden, mm, not my favorite. I don't know. Oh. I feel like oden sort of takes away the uh, vitamins and nutrition, the way it's cooked. But I might be wrong there. It's my bias towards <laughs> oden, but I do love uh, hot pot nabe. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it took me a long time to even try oden because I used to see it in the convenience store and think that looks disgusting. It's because how many hours <laughs> has that been sitting there stewing on the counter? How many people yeah. walked past that and That's sneezed it. on it? And But then when we actually made it in my own home for the first time, uh, with the help from my husband, because obviously I don't know what I'm doing. I was like, oh, this is actually quite nice. And it's um, useful just to have it. Like you could go for three meals with or Dan sitting. Yeah, because it doesn't like go off because, <laughs> right? Is there could... any nutrition? I just want someone to tell There's me. There's lots of fish in there. It's fish, <laughs> right? Different kinds of fish, konyaku and uh, konyaku potatoes mm-hmm. and also mm-hmm. daikon, right? So daikon. Yeah, I love daikon, I have to say. The, yeah. mm-hmm. And egg. And yeah, eggs. and eggs. Mm-hmm. Yes, true, true. All um, right. But I am a hot pot person as well. I would love a good tonkotsu or pork ah. soup with uh, udon in it. And, yeah, it's really good. That's our family favorite easy dinner that children will eat a lot of vegetables. And so <laughs> we're all for the nabe season coming. Mm. Yeah, oden and nabe, very easy. Yeah, we love those cooking on your table mm. kinds of dinners. Right, Very you can have them at a restaurant too. Can't you go to a nabe restaurant and have yeah. a, select what you'd like and have it with your friends? 
yes, going out. Yeah. And so anyone yeah. visiting Japan can actually try them in the coming season, right? That's yeah, right. shabu shabu mm. is the very mm. easy way. Yeah, shabu what, shabu oh. restaurants are very fun, aren't they? Yes, lots of uh-huh. good, delicious things. Yes, lots <laughs> of things great. to look forward to. <laughs> that's what we're talking about food because that's the reason why we've got Chisa on the show today. Because anyone who is really looking to be successful in food and drink in Japan in a market like Japan, right? You have to really have a deep and ongoing understanding of the Mm -hmm. consumer needs and distribution channels here. And we've got Chisa on the show because she is a specialist advisor to people who want to do all of those things, who have to understand cultural expectations in terms of flavors and packaging and knowing what sort of retailers and distributors want. And so Chisa, you've had like 20 years or more experience and research and problem solving around this area. And we thought you'd be fabulous to have on the show because your company, Miros Consulting, is doing this actively every day and helping governments as well. So we wanted to have you here. We thank you for coming. Uh, we will be putting your full bio on the, show, on the show notes. But tell us about your background, your inspiration for starting this business that you've got, why you chose the name Miros, and about the services and things that you do for people here. Yes, Kathleen, thank you so much for your the warm uh, introduction. That uh, My background is a major at the university, studying from agriculture economics. I was uh, interested in the trade and the politics, and uh, especially I was really fascinated how important agriculture and food is. Everybody needs to eat food uh, every day. And uh, also that's also linked to the soil and the land and the history. And that's attracted me a lot. But the key reason I started my the new company called Mayor's Consulting seven, eight years ago. And that is because I had a great team. The four partners founded this company together. The one two from Japan, including me, and one from Europe, and one from U.S. So we thought we can collaborate each other and I can tell what the international people are interested in and how we can explain about the Japanese culture in a way, very dedicated way to the client. And Kathleen brought a great point. Thank you. And the Meros is a name of a, a company that came from the very ancient Greek name. Uh, that it's uh, different parts coming together. So we thought this kind of diversified team for different members coming together become our company Meros. So we are hoping we can bring diversity into the Japanese society is <laughs> one of our hopes. Definitely. Mm. And you just had some new members join the team as well, bringing more diversity. Ah, yes. Uh, we hired one Japanese boy uh, that uh, maybe three, four years ago. And uh, just recently, we hired another Indian lady. She has a background of uh, biology and started international agriculture in Todai and got PhD over there and did postural doctor work over there. And we scouted her. <laughs> building the team that's so yeah she has a really great leadership and they included the different aspects of the, of the south asian uh, national so you recently moderated a panel discussion in front of jacinda ardern when she visited japan 
uh, back in April 2022 mm. on her trade mm -hmm. mission to Japan. So please tell us a little bit about that experience and what did you share with the audience when she visited? Can you give us an inside story? Ah, uh, yes, Jim. Thank you. The New Zealand Embassy was uh, planning the trip of the Jacinda Ardern and uh, one of the component was related to food uh, because that is one of the most important export products from New Zealand to Japan. So the, they make the lunch show for the Japanese and the New Zealand journalists who come into that tours. It was a business delegate tour, including the food-related companies. So they planned a panel discussion in, before the Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern to speak about the importance of the New Zealand food industry and how sustainable that in New Zealand. And uh, so we discussed about the food innovation and what will be interesting new innovation in New Zealand and what will be best fit for the Japanese industry. So that is the things we discussed uh, in front of the journalists. But one thing is that uh, because that, that was the, an appetizer before the main dish and the Prime Minister Jacinda's speech, so actually in the middle of the discussion, a panel discussion, Jacinda arrived at the venue, so we were kicked off from the stage. Oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. The discussion oh. was uh, finished in the very middle, but uh, that was it's okay. Like the waiter or waitress taking the appetizer away from the table and serving the main dish before you finish the appetizer. Oh my goodness. I love that analogy about to food anyway. So I think Jane was going asking you too about the, the, mm -hmm. the trends or the things that you talked about that you were able to share before you were yeah, uh, what, what, swiped what, off the what table. You... What, did you tell, what did you tell people who were there? They must have been waiting to hear what you had to say. What did you tell them? <laughs> the first things that uh, I share two big picture trends in the Japanese food and agri space, which driving the innovation, and uh, one is Japanese food security. And, uh, you guys are living in Japan so for many years, so you may have aware of that, but uh, this concern is huge in Japan. And Japan still has the sixth largest agriculture industry in the world. It's a kind of mm. huge agriculture industry, but about 70% of food by value is domestically produced, but another 30% is imported, including New Zealand. But the Japanese agriculture is reaching, reaching the edge of the Grief. A couple of the Jandao speakers already mentioned about it, but before, but the Japanese farmers' age became about sixty-eight years old this year, and uh, this means a huge number of farmers will retire soon because yes. you can think continue farming during your sixties, but uh, in seventies it's really hard. I think. So this is the aging farmers and the dec declining the domestic agriculture is the fundamental opportunity for New Zealand products. And also New Zealand has a great technology, agri-tech technology, and New Zealand is also facing a labor issue in agriculture space. So there's a big innovation in that area. So that kind of things also can contribute to Japan. It was one thing I shared. Yeah, this aging farmers, so... My father-in-law is a farmer, he's oh. 78 and he's up every morning at like 4.30 out there farming his melons and long potatoes in Totori, feeding mm. the people of Otaka. That's where most of the produce goes to. But yeah, when I visit and I walk around the fields, I see 
extremely elderly people out there doing the farming. There are no mm. young people doing it. They're mm. all around the similar kind of age. And yeah, these people are potentially not going to be able to farm much longer. So no. yeah, how what's going to happen that it's really a big problem here in Japan? Yeah, mm. my husband. Yes, yeah. my husband family also doing farming, but we mm -hmm. don't know what to do after they yeah. re they decide to retire. And Nobody then... wants to take over the next generation, like the next generation generally not interested to take over, right? No, and yeah. we we are not there, being no, there, so... there. <laughs> physically there, so it's quite hard. Quite hard, isn't it? So what's the Japanese government doing then to help in this area? I mean, it's a, it's a systemic problem, isn't it, within the whole of Japan and, and mm -hmm. New Zealand as well. Is the government doing anything, any other strategies to help out here? Yeah, the Japanese government is really putting energy to enlarge the agriculture farming entities, the company who can take over those the available land in the local area. But it's not doing pretty well that uh, there is uh, many fundamental reasons. But one thing is really restricting that transition is because the Japanese Agriculture land is scattered and it's mm. under the U U.S. administration after the World War II. The land was distributed to the tenant. Mm -hmm. uh, it used to be that there was a big landlord, but mm -hmm. uh, that makes many poor families send the peoples out from the village and eventually it contributed the Japan to become the more unstable society that's become unstable and that the U.S. really afraid to be Japan to become a communist like a Soviet Union. So they distributed the land to the many smallholders and they, that continues still now. And I, it's really a difficult problem to solve. Yeah, you can mm. see the individual small pieces of land that mm. each family has. And then trying to figure out who owns what to buy it or uh, use it or borrow it must be very difficult and time-consuming. It's really time-consuming yeah. yeah. to gather those cat that land together. Yeah. They're mm. very tiny pieces, like one soccer field, less than one soccer field less size, than, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. About one hectare, about mm -hmm. one to two hectare is the average farm size. So it's quite tiny compared mm. to the New Zealand scale. And all these little farm owners are selling their products to the distribution network, right? And to getting it sold into the market. So it must be very complicated. And that's why I think someone like you who understands how that works must be very important to help say New Zealanders coming in here who don't really know about that. New Zealand farms are so much bigger, aren't they? They're yes. <laughs> we do have a more cottage industry or a smaller farms too, but it's, it's a different situation. So you must help them with that sort of mindset difference, right? And explaining what it's like here. See ya? Yeah, the distribution channel is also very diversified and very connected to the to the very small scale farm size. And so it's quite important for the New Zealand to have also have a strategy to attack one by one. Uh, the attack only one big distributor or the big detailer is not the end of your story. You need to have a good system to attack individual, the small retailers and the small distributors. And that is mm. the, one of the key difficulties to, to have a big success in the Japanese market.
What are some of the things that New Zealand is doing really well that you can see from your experience and knowledge compared to other countries? Uh, the one really good example is the this plea that uh, it's a kiwi fruits brand and uh, they they had a really good success in Japan. They have a putting a lot of money in marketing and uh, it attracted a lot of Japanese very normal consumers uh, their interest they have uh, using a uh, nice characters and also uh, oh, the kiwi brothers yes yeah uh... kiwi brothers <laughs> <laughs> many people want the do- those of kiwi brothers and also they mm. recently released the ruby red one of their very most innovative Oh, the kiwi fruits, it, the, the color of the fruits is red. The yes, outside yes. is similar color, but the inside is red. And it's beautiful. And it was very well received, the Japanese consumers. Mm. Mm. Delicious too. It very, was very nice. really delicious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was very... for a short time, wasn't it? A short-term project. Is that correct? It's a very short-time harvesting period, I think. And uh, mm. for the green kiwi fruits, you can keep for one year almost, and uh, you can supply during whole year. Mm. But the red, a yellow variety is weak, so you can supply only half of the year. And the red is not sweet for the long-term storage, so you need very narrow window okay so it's very seasonal Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. very seasonal i was surprised at just how well known the kiwi brothers are how many japanese people know who they are and love them and i went to my facial salon and we were talking about new zealand or something and i said oh do you know the kiwi brothers and (laughs) my and the salon owner was like yes of course they're so great and i'm like really you know them oh my goodness so even in a very small town in Tohoku in Japan, people know Kiwi Brothers. This is amazing. Well, apparently, I feel. it's one of the most. It is the the most favorite CM commercial on TV. Is the Zespri advertisements? They don't even me- mention New Zealand. It's mm. the Kiwi Brothers. I think that's yeah. why. And so I think probably people watch and take it in and they're cute advertisements, right? People are dancing around and <laughs> nice lyrics. And so maybe that's it. It's getting into the psyche of uh, Japanese who love mascots and things like that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's very well designed and they also have a strong social network strategy. Yeah. So they invited the ordinary people to do or a lot of the video now, how can I say that the don't want people also can attend the vid, creating a commercial video through a social media campaign, and that mm-hmm. also was really popular. And mm. I think it took uh, some kind of award of the year. Um, mm. Yeah, right. It's great, isn't it? It's really fantastic mm. seeing these collaborations and that there's this international New Zealand coming into Japan and helping. And we remember that Ian Kennedy, who was one of our previous our guests on the show talked about a company in New Zealand that's partnered with, I think it was Yamaha, around automated apple harvesting. And I think you were going to talk to us today a little bit about that example too and give us a bit more flavour, shall we say. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us about that collaboration? Because I think that's a really good example for people to think about who are listening. Uh, that may not be quite obvious, but it's a really great way to see how a New Zealand company has collaborated with a Japanese company in this mm. agri-tech area. 
Yeah, I think that is、uh, one really good、e、example. The company name was Abandoned Robotics, and、uh, that is an Apple automated harvester. And the、uh, New Zealand Apple industries, as I said, also facing a very difficult problem of labor, scarce labor in the agriculture area.、Mm -hmm. And the COVID makes it more difficult. And now the many apples are on trees, and there was nobody who can take. So just the apple was abandoned on the tree. So that was really a Sad story, so they are putting a lot of effort there. But the Japanese、uh, industry is also in, in working in that, that area hard, so they are now putting a lot of resources. The new technology development, also, they are looking for the open innovation. So, the, many of the Japanese companies started the corporate venture capital. During the last two, three years. So, Yamaha was one of them who have an arm to have an investing in those kind of new technology startups. And、uh, I think now that is working with TNG, Turner and Grower. Growers.、Mm. What, yeah, yeah, it's yeah.、Uh, one of the biggest apple grower and、yes. exporter、sure、in the region. And they are testing that robot. Their field.、Mm. It's amazing. Yeah. Have you seen it, how it works? Have you seen a video or seen it in, in reality, how it works? I, it's just video. I haven't visited the, <laughs> the site. But it's, uh, it's uh, really the,、mm. very interesting. I will share it <laughs> later. Yeah, I, think, I, I think I can share it later. Ian,、mm -hmm. Ian was saying that it actually reali、mm. recognizes the sizes as well.、Mm. So it's in the right place, the one、mm. that is the right size within that particular box. So they're all the same. So it's very intuitive and really incredible. Abundant robotics.、Excellent. Yes, yes. Well,、mm. I'll give a shout out. That's fantastic. <laughs> And hopefully, we'll see a bit more of that now that this border restriction、uh, that Japan has had in place will lift on the 11th of October. And I already know a few New Zealand companies who are coming in on that day.、Mm. Oh, which is super exciting to hear.、Uh, really, really、mm. exciting. Yeah, I think it's really a best timing that during the pandemic, the Jap the almost two, three years, there wasn't. It was quite difficult for the Japanese company also to send their staff to abroad. So, their desire for the international collaboration is really the hike now. So,、yeah. they are very open to for new collaboration.、Mm, yeah, and you pointed out、news. to us、yeah. too that you know, New Zealand、mm. has had really a long term relationship with Japan. Like Ansco and Fintera, you told us before the show, have actually had. Five decades, 50 years of relationship. Yes,、right? indeed, indeed.、Mm -hmm. And the Japanese food processors also、uh, is really working, collaborate with them, and they created the new technology dedicated for the Japanese market for many, many years.、Mm. But、uh, yeah, that's kind of very long standing relationship. It's really valuable. And then you can add more new innovation and startups、right. and、so、that kind of thing. Keep the relationship、um, yeah. buoyant, right? Keep it going by just not resting on your laurels with having 50 years, but doing more、mm. to make、mm. it innovative. Very interesting. What、yeah. is trending in your industry and in Japan right now? And、uh, one thing is, I think it's、uh, the space that the New Zealand is quite、uh, strong, but it's sustainability.、Mm. That、uh, maybe Kathleen and Jane are meeting、uh, many Japanese traditional, the large companies, and so you can 
aware of the the colorful, the circle, the yes. rainbow color, ESG <laughs> mark. <laughs> Everybody putting that uh, the pin on their suits. Yes, yes. <laughs> but, SDGs, right? SDGs, SDGs label yes. People love wearing those in Japan. Yes. Uh, Many of the... them are getting to know what they actually mean as well. <laughs> <laughs> but that became a really buzzword and ESG and the cover neutral are becoming a kind of fundamental elements of the Japanese company's business planning. And the last two years, that was uh, more like uh, the big picture was wrote down by the management team. And uh, starting from last year and this year, it's trickled down into the uh, actual business level so that each individual division started to think about it and uh, need to show how they can move towards that's the big picture goals, which was set by the headquarters. Uh, that mm-hmm. is becoming really a trend in the Japanese industry. So now we see many people really desperate to find a sustainable sourcing of the, the technology or the sourcing of food products or the ingredients. So that is really a good trend for the New Zealanders, I think. It's interesting you say it's taken two years. Mm-hmm. To, tri- to trickle down to the actual doing things. Yeah. From just think from just the strategizing at the top mm. to actual being actually in action. In yeah. Business, right? yeah. Ha- have mm. you ever heard of ESG investing? The investors started to move towards the ESG, that the environment sustainable and the uh, environment environment social and the governance sustainable direction and uh, now uh, it's originally started from the Europe but the uh, GPIF the Japanese the the pension fund started to implement that concept so that every investment they make they need to think about the ESG concept during the investment stage so now mm. that the uh, Japanese pension fund that, that the government fund is one of the largest shareholder of the Japanese companies and they're buying up lots of shares there from the public market. And once they asking questions for the culprits that you need to change in that direction, what are you doing in action in, in terms of ESG? Now the corporation needs to think about it, especially the management level, because that impacts the value of the company. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, so it came from really a top. <laughs> yeah, you're so right. Those Ooh. investors have got a, a voice and mm. you know the stakeholders in the company and they are putting pressure on the boards mm. right to be to, to be delivering investment back to the shareholders and so they're putting pressure on right through their uh aiming for esg right be this do this uh so they've really got a voice and i think maybe people wouldn't really know very much about the fact that the japanese pension fund is is quite a big investor in lots of different companies mm. Yeah, very powerful. Very interesting. Mm. And then in terms of like, you know, you're dealing with supermarkets and retailers every Mm. single day, I believe. And we just heard that Costco opened up in New Zealand. um, And that's quite a revolution for New Zealand. But Costco has been around for a while in Japan. So what some of the trends or that you've seen with Costco operating in Japan that might be of use or helpful for people who are just getting used to the idea in New Zealand? And don't really know about the importance or usefulness of Costco as it operates in Japan. Any tips or hints there? 
Yeah, Costco is really a unique player in Japan, and、uh, they now have about 30 outlets in Japan and aiming to double the number in the next few years. So they are quite expanding a lot and、uh, very quickly. What's very special of Costco is they're handling their imported products by themselves. So the Costco headquarters in the US is, has a kind of accounts of customers and、uh, exporters, and、uh, they have some varieties of the, what, what is available.、Uh, and、uh, so the Japanese、uh, that Costco can acquire directly from the exporters. So there's、uh, many the imported food products like New Zealand、uh, meat or the Wines in the shelves in a very big portion. So that is quite different from the local, the normal food supermarkets. And、um, the Japanese, many consumers look for very rare and unusual food products at Costco. So that actually, our survey shows that about the 6% of consumers who go to Costco is with friends. And share their products they purchased with friends. It's、rent. like Disneyland of supermarket shopping, isn't it? Like they go with their friends <laughs>、yes. and they spend、uh-huh. all day there and look at everything and,、mm. and have lunch in the food court area. And it's a real event to go to Costco. I, I see that when I go there.、Mm. That's huge, isn't it? It's,、yeah. it's, it's a destination. It is、It's、totally a destination. They handle the very huge volume. So, anyway, it won't fit with your the tiny kitchen that normal Japanese、mm. have. So. <laughs> <laughs> did you say there that the exporter, so someone who's exporting meat or wine from New Zealand, can deal directly with Costco? They don't have to worry about anybody in between. Basically. No. Basically, right, right,、mm. right. It's right. a different, it's a complete revolution isn't it, to、yeah. how、mm. things are being done right now. Do you think that's really going to disrupt the market then if Costco are planning to double the number of stores in the next couple of years? Yeah, the overall food market is actually shrinking because of the, the population. Like, by maybe it's not. Not just drastic shrinking, but the, like a 0.5% shrinking or something. But there is a huge demand for those kind of imported food products. So that, and also the very interesting destination and the shopping experience. So that is the space why Costco are expanding their businesses. And probably they also see the same、uh, the gap in New Zealand and that have a Provide the international selection of the many interesting food products.、Mm-hmm. And that would be very fantastic. And not only the Costco is doing this kind of things in Japan, and the Gilm Super, or、yes. the Kaudi, or the Hanamasa, and the, some other players are doing the same things, but they're targeting different audiences.、Mm-hmm. Like、uh, Costco is targeting the, a little suburb area and the large volume. Things, but the Gilm Super and Kaudi are targeting the city centers and they have small outlets, but the same direct import from the,、uh, the international exporters.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, they are also doing pretty well. So there is a huge、uh, demand there, I think. Definitely.、Mm. I also frequent Gilm Super and Kaldi. And I was at there on the weekend actually in Kaldi looking, and I just was there to get my Vegemite, which is, you know, <laughs> very important. <laughs> But I, was, I took a moment to sort of look around and see what other people were doing. And people were really enjoying themselves,、mm. looking at all the products and what does this do? And how, can we, could I use this? And do we know how to make that? And, It was a day out for them, definitely. I was there to get my Vegemite in and out, but yeah, a lot of people were 
really there to enjoy their food shopping. And I think that's not something we do in New Zealand, is it, Catherine? I think you just try to get to the supermarket, park your car, get in, get out as soon as you can. It's not really a place where you take your time and have a leisurely experience. And Mm. so it's a really different one, isn't it, to go into Kaldi, for example. You always know you're going to spend more time having Mm. a look around and seeing what's there. And there's usually samplings, um, but it's a really fun place to investigate. Always you can have find a new innovation sure. uh, that have an impression you may be able to cook by yourself some uh, the very interesting foods and yeah. that you never tried to cook at home. So inspirational place, I would say. Is there yeah. anything then that, you know, Kiwi exporters in particular, because they are Kiwis, they have a kind of X factor. Is there anything that New Zealanders bringing in premium food products here can utilize as their x factor here uh the county or the game super experience shows that the people are really open to the innovative ideas i think new zealanders also can think of the new packaging or the new taste or the new innovative types of the products not not just selling only one your traditional products but also can add some more a little twist of your ideas and a little different the seasonal packaging and that kind of thing the ruby red i explained it has a very seasonal uh, attribute so that's attract people so that kind of seasonality or the new or the the little different packaging is uh, always welcomed by the japanese consumers be one example is Coca-Cola is in the international space. They are releasing around 500 new products per year. And one-fifth of that, 100 products per year, is only for the Japanese market. Oh. So mm. the Japanese market is only 8% of Coke's global business. So it's really a twice or three times more new products they need to put into the Japanese market in Mm. order to keep attraction from the consumers. Mm. Wow, wow, wow. We Mm. do, I see a lot of Coca-Cola different labeling. We would never see in any other country, Mm. you know, Mm. what seem like kind of strange flavors, but it seems to be very (laughs) popular, right? And sell in Japan and you're right, they're looking at innovation here and they want the new latest thing. So I get that. Yes, consumers are really open for that kind of things and I want to try out something new, always. <laughs> so can you give us some key tips that people can use to help them on their entry to the Japan market? What are the things they need to be careful about around importing goods into Japan? Especially for food, there's a strict restriction about the ingredients and food additives and agrochemical residues and that kind of thing. So you need to be very careful to fit with the Japanese regulations at the very beginning of exporting. Um, But uh, after that, once you have a loyal, good customer, they tend to be loyal, continue importing for many years may happen. So that the first step is really important to fit with Mm. the Japanese regulations. Where does one find these regulations? Is there a one-stop shop for <laughs> the regulations? Or is it... Jane, thank you for pointing out that. But uh, actually, there quite a couple of different government divisions are handling food safety, like a Ministry of Health and the Ministry of Agriculture, etc. So it's not very easy for the exporters to find a one-stop 
things, but、uh, in order to help them, that、uh, we actually that is for the United States government, but、uh, the embassy asked us to make a guide for the exporters, and、mm. uh, we published、uh, 24 different guides for each different food product. So you can refer to that at the moment. We just updated last year, so I think it's Still good enough to <laughs> to refer to. Ultimately, that the importer it's importer's role to take the all the responsibility, but the exporter also not. I think it's very helpful for exporters to know what will happen in the next and what kind of data or the information you need to share to the exporters, and those are the written in that guide. So I can share the link later. Wow, that sounds like、mm -hmm. a gold mine of information for people <laughs> to be able to find their way to get started with that. That's amazing. And in、mm. your business, what do you do to help people? We haven't talked about that specifically. <laughs> I mean, you're a food and beverage import、mm. specialist, and so what does that entail? And how do you help budding exporters come into Japan? We are a strategic advisor, for, so we help the entire process from the identify market and the narrow down the the segments you want to target, etc. And we cannot do just much making only, but、uh, sometimes we help the exporters to dig a regulation, etc. And including the whole strategic support is our strengths. And、uh, we also often support embassies when they help the small exporters. And actually, New Zealanders is you know, very lucky. You have a really nice、uh, the organization, New Zealand Trade and Enterprise. They support medium to small size enterprises in a very dedicated way. And we often collaborate with them to support the medium size, but the quite strong industry like. Uh, the company who are selling possum fiber, we help them together with NZT, and we did the market study and the identification of the players, and NZT provide more dedicated support or the making matchmaking or that、um, on online meetings or that that's kind of NZT arrange that kind of part. So you can count on that. <laughs> Your、well, thanks、um, to NZT、yeah. that I met you right. We a, we, you and I and、uh, Craig Pettigrew. We did a, a webinar for the ANZCCJ, the Australian New Zealand Chamber of Commerce in Japan, a couple、yes. of years ago. Yes,、uh, and that's how I got to meet you and knew that you would be fabulous to have on the show today too. So it's really great to see you're continuing the collaborations there and helping the governments locally here through、mm. embassy. Okay, it's fantastic. Yeah, they have a great team, and、uh, with the lo the strong local members as well. Sure.、Mm. And anything broadly, then more about any gold mines or real opportunities, two or three that you can see for New Zealanders coming in here as we start to wrap up the chat. With you. Is there anything <laughs> there that you can say? Look, you guys in New Zealand do this. This is coming round the corner. We really recommend you think about these things. Hmm. Now, one thing is really. The、uh, agri-tech innovation in the technology in the production side, so that is the area that the Japanese industry is really need needed.、Mm -hmm. And another area is the health-oriented,、uh, the food tech, and also the innovation in food technology, upcycling, or the, the, those kind of sustainable tech and health-related. To innovative food products, that、mm. uh, uh, will be welcomed by the Japanese or 
Japanese industry, I, I think, mm-hmm. and consumers, and handy snacks for health. Handy snacks for health. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's energy a good point. Oh. Yeah. There's, when you're looking for a snack, often there are junky things, aren't they, if you're in the convenience yeah. store? Yeah, mm. and also thinking about the health. So it's better to take uh, raw vegetables and uh, cook by yourself. It's much healthier. But uh, people are not looking for that kind of solutions. The people are looking for some more much handy Solutions. solutions. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, cooking veggie by yourself is not the solution people are paying money for, actually. So the handy, easy ones for kids or the people at the office and that they don't have much time. So these days, so a handy, healthy snacking food products are there. One of the key trends. These mm. days, yeah. Mm. Let's see more of those. I, mm. you know, I keep looking, and all there is is chocolate or something too yeah. heavily in sugar or carbohydrate. I want more of mm. those. So come mm. on, Kiwis. Yes, innovation <laughs> and health, sustainable tech, all of this into Japan. We are waiting for you. Now the gates are, are just about <laughs> to be open. Yes. Excellent. Anything else, Chisa, that we haven't talked about that you you meant to mention and we missed it out? Anything else that we can yeah. add in at the end here? Um, Okay, so I appreciate a lot that you uh, you called me and one of my personal resolutions of this year was to increase output at the public space and uh, not for Mm. my direct client. And uh, there's still a big, big information gap between Japan and New Zealand, I think, that uh, due to the language barrier. And I started to feel like I may be able to contribute to that space. And I became, a, this year, I became a director of international affairs for the Japanese Agricultural Journalist Association. Mm. And as my personal, <laughs> as my personal volunteer activities, there's not yes. many, mm, Jap- not many journalists want to speak about Japanese agriculture in English. Mm. So I thought it's maybe there's some. I can contribute to the more better international collaboration in this space. Well, so. that's great. I mean, mm-hmm. that and, you know, your exposure on the, as the appetizer too. <laughs> the <most laughs> right? I mean, that is great exposure as a journalist. And they know, they will have people that they can tell, right, when they need to know the person who's mm-hmm. the expert on the ground, you're the go-to. That is really fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well done for achieving your personal goals this year <laughs> and working towards them. That's always very important. And we really want to congratulate you, Chisa, on you and your business, Meros Consulting, on what you do to help people in Japan who are New Zealanders coming in. Uh, and you're Jandal now. You officially are a Jandal. Thank you very much for sharing your success wow. here with us. Wow, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I was. I wish I can become an active member of Jandals. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Yay. Thank you, thank we'd you. love to hear from you. And I think you've already talked about the guides that you've got, so we'll put those out there for everybody to see. But thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really happy to share my insights. So please contact us through social media or the email. Anything is okay. Mm -hmm. Great. We'll put those in the show notes too. Thank you so much, Shisa. (laughs) Thank Thank you, Jane, Kathleen. Thank you. All righty, Catherine, where shall we start with that? That was an amazing episode with Chisa. As we said at the beginning, 
gosh, you know, if you're going to go to someone who's an expert in all this area and food and bev in Japan, you just can't go past Meros Consulting and mm. Chisa. Isn't she amazing? That's awesome. And she just dropped that in there. We have 24 guides. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's right. an amazing resource there. Just so it, it sounds like anybody can access, download. Sounds it like it. And I mean, it sounds like somebody, uh, the US government paid for these to be made and now they're available. Um, yeah. I would just be jumping in there as soon as possible and seeing what's inside. Um, we'll pick up a few and see what's in there mm. too. Okay? Yeah, definitely. Wow, wonderful. Yeah, so Japanese food security huge issue here in japan and like i said i see it with my own eyes every day the farmers in this country are very elderly they're over 70 she said 68 is the average age 68 that's yeah. right yeah you would not believe some of the elderly people and i don't i'm not being rude here but they're very genki they have full of yeah. energy and doing their farming but it is hard work right hard hard work so there's a yeah there's mm. a tv program on in japan which is the little house that's out in the middle of nowhere mm -hmm. ah yes yeah and i love that program but whenever they go out to the the country 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 area they find the little jichan and bachan there's a little elderly couple in the fields yeah. and they're yeah. the ones they ask for the directions to the house that they're trying to get to that's the mm. one that's isolated from everything and it amazes me every time how elderly the farming mm. people are, but that's the situation, right? That's yeah. in New Zealand's. Uh, I saw something in the the press or the Herald about uh, that as well. That New Zealand's farming population is also getting older, older. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that was very interesting. The food security, and also she talked about you couldn't miss the innovation in agritech, and it sounds like that's really one goldmine area that New Zealanders can get into. And she gave the example there too of the robotics company. Mm. Wow. I mean, if that can be adopted more broadly, what mm. else could we think about that that could work with? Maybe that yeah. company and other companies thinking of it. I think that's one of the, you know, those two things, food security mm -hmm. and innovative tech that was really brought out so well from her. Yeah. And also the success of the Zespri Kiwi brothers. <laughs> yeah. I, I think if, if you're going to bring your brand into Japan, you need a mascot. Right. If you've got a mascot, I'm sorry, mascots are so popular. It's like if it we doesn't have about a mascot. This with the native sparkling boys, didn't we? Yeah. We're like, can you make a mascot of your little thing and have it? Yeah. Someone wear it and walk around with it on. <laughs> it have a lot of impact, but it's amazing what a mascot can do for your brand in Japan. Mm. It really softens the approach for people too. Even some of the mm. more, like you think of the police department and the shows, right? The mm. municipal offices, they all have little characters as well. And yeah. they make it more approachable to go and see those people, go to the police station, go to those places. There's one for blood donation, right? It's like, like, oh, that's everything. so cute. Yes. I don't mind giving my blood because there's a ma mascot there. I know mm. it's not as simple as that, but it really makes things more approachable for people if they see it in a character form. It yeah. certainly does. Yes, our city has about three or four different mascots you know every city has a mascot everything has a mascot there's an instagram <laughs> channel for um mascots i'm following so. oh okay <laughs> and i've had a few photos of mascots have you not seen them all i am a mascot oh you like man them? oh yeah i'm not fussed by them at all but my kids oh, yeah, when they were little would, would make me take photos with them i'm like you're not scared of this and you know they're thoroughly into it so yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, well, it was really great to hear her. I think the other thing she talked about was, you know, on the innovation aspect was, you know, look at new tastes and different packaging. And she called it a twist of ideas. I loved that, adding a mm. twist of ideas uh, and bringing in seasonality. We've talked about seasonality yes. at the beginning there as mm. well today. Really interesting to think about that. And uh, I mean, someone like Chisa would be able to give you the next step, how to do that. What would look yeah. good for your particular product? Well, how can you package it up and dress it up to look good? Mm. Mm. It's interesting that we're getting sort of two messages here. It's don't change the brand, but also be seasonal. Yeah. How do you manage that, right? Like don't do running changes or don't change things, but also be seasonal. So how do you balance that? act and obviously experts like chisa can tell you how to do that so that's something to be aware of isn't it like really good point yeah 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 mm. interesting and then i think the well she talked about going to experts finding out the regulations for example i mean yeah. you would be silly to go any further and try and find out where things are buried in japan i mean i know that as a lawyer it's hard to find everything because they're all captured somewhere amongst different regulations and different government organizations and divisions look after this. Mm. So if you've got someone like that, why not put the money on the table, get the advice and have it all in one stop shop that she can provide. Mm. Uh, it's hard to find that anywhere else, as she said, regulations, mm -hmm. getting to know them. And then after that, once that's done, you get the loyalty from customers following you. Yeah, it's interesting. There are other, there are new ways to go about this. You could work with someone like Costco if you have the volume. Yeah, and that, I think volume is the, the key with Costco, right? You have to be able to provide a lot, but it could be a way to get your products into Japan. Certainly could, and it's sustainability too, right? Making sure that you've got consistency on being able to sustain that Costco market. But it sounds mm -hmm. like with wine and meat that New Zealand is doing that, at least so far. So there's some yeah. good examples. Produce and things. Yep, definitely. Mm. Perfect. What a great session that Fantastic. was. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Chisa. All right. Thanks, we Chisa, have so much. Lots of exciting guests coming up, don't we? We oh my goodness, the lineup is amazing. Keep listening and we'll see you again soon. See you soon, everyone. Bye. Jura. listening make sure you check out our guests links in the show notes this podcast is brought to you today by Catherine o'connell law and pod launch with jane if you have a great story you think should be on the show come and find us on linkedin or instagram we'd love to hear from you see you next time matane